Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Ho, 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 and welcome to the uh, final REC podcast of the year, Talking Recruitment. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive, and I'm joined today on the pod for a, a look back at the year and what's to come in 2021 by the REC's Deputy Chief Executive, Kit Shoesmith. Hi, Kit. Hello, that was very jolly, Neil. Well, you know, I think uh, trying to, we're trying to be as jolly as possible going into this festive season. It's been a long old year and uh, a little bit of fun. We were just discussing that uh, the REC managed to get a reference to onesies into the Evening Standard uh, just recently. And that uh, I, I think uh, taking time for a, a bit of a laugh and a joke is what's got lots of agency owners and staff through this year, uh, even if it did have to be over teams. Uh, delighted, though, that you can join me for this edition of the pod, Kate. Um, why don't you give people a, a bit of an update on what's going on here at the REC? So as you might expect, it has been a very busy couple of weeks. It's been an extraordinary year. And I, I know from talking to lots of our member recruiters that for many of us, although times have been really tough, um, the level of work has not Um, let up at all and the pace has been really fast so it's felt like there's a huge demand out there so for us there's a couple of things that are really keen for and to get out there before the Christmas break and we can all get that well-earned rest Um, first one is we have a, a clear focus in our campaigning priorities around how we best recover from the pandemic and and in light of that we've commissioned a, a really in-depth piece of work that's looking at the broader economic and social value brought about by recruitment what we're looking for is we're looking to drive a better understanding and appreciation of what it is that recruiters do um, But the first part of that we'll see um, before the Christmas break, and it's our status report on the recruitment industry. So we'll be looking at the shape and size of recruitment for the 2019 calendar year um, and also what the impact was of lockdown. So something that's really quite chunky and will help members with their business planning early in Q1 for 2021. So that's uh, dropping on the 16th of December, isn't it? And I think the uh, it will build on what we've seen just recently in our uh, surveys. You know, the jobs recovery track are clearly showing now that vacancies are reaching the sorts of levels we were back at in March, which I think is particularly heartening considering the kind of logistics and warehousing vacancies that always drive an uptick in job, job ads in uh, in September and October start to fall out of the uh, the measure uh, at the beginning of December as everyone's staffed up for the uh, for the Christmas peak. Um, alongside that, we're definitely seeing uh, strong uh, numbers in all our surveys coming out of the temp side. That's been a story really since the first lockdown started to ease. And then uh, perm recruitment, just a, a steady return through through the year. So I think there's quite a lot uh, of uh, good momentum in the right direction as we come to the end of the year. We're hope, sitting here recording and hoping that uh, there might even be a Brexit deal at some stage. Clearly, that would remove one roadblock from uh, 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 from the path ahead. Just thinking about uh, all of that, uh, Kate, um, from the point of view of the REC's data, what sort of stories can you can, can you see to to pull out that might be interesting for uh, recruitment agency owners and directors looking to twenty twenty one? 
So we've uh, found some quite interesting things from the recruitment um, industry status report. Uh, we've finally broken through the the barrier. Last uh, the last report showed us that we had a turnover and a contribution of. Um, £39 billion um, of the UK recruitment industry um, to the economy. And we're now at £42 billion. So, so we've got through that £40 billion uh, barrier, which is which is fantastic news and shows the deep resilience and robustness of our industry. Um, we have found that there are, there are differences um, in terms of it. The trading conditions have been tighter. So whereas previously um, we were seeing that on any given day, there was over a million temporary uh, workers out on assignment via an agency that has dropped below now to just under a million but it but obviously the the key point for us is that the industry has held up rather well there are key sectoral differences so when you look particularly at perm recruitment there's been some winners and losers in terms of what's happened over the last um, nine months in particular we've seen a strong drive for more roles in it digital, e-commerce, a sense that there's going to be even greater um, requirements for e-security and compliance in those areas. Um, and Neil, you mentioned about logistics and warehousing and and so that strong demand for our health and social care sector has really held up over time. That makes sense to me. And, you know, you look at sectors, I mean, the most obvious hero sectors this year, you know, healthcare, uh, life sciences with the vaccine coming on uh, on stream as we record this. I think those things um, are, yes, they're cyclical to the fact that we're, we've lived through a pandemic this year, but they're also uh, amplified and uh, accelerated trends that we were already seeing. We were seeing uh, recruitment businesses move into sectors like life sciences through 2019 because there was a, a you know a really robust um uh, uh industrial strategy there and a real sense that the uk was trying to make itself a a a, a destination of choice so there are opportunities out there i think uh we'll talk a little later on about some of what what uh, business owners might want to be thinking about to take advantage of those this year but i, I didn't want to let the elephant in the room go unpointed out so if we look at Brexit and at the time of recording, we're uh, sitting on the fence between a no deal Brexit and a potential deal on a kind of Canada style arrangement. Um, what are the things that the REC is saying to members at the moment about preparing for what Brexit might be, whatever happens from here? So we know how hard it is. Um, it's really hard to prepare for something where you don't have the details. And, and it's clear that we're not going to be in a position where we have um, the detailed legislation and trade agreements that you might have expected at the start of this transition period. But it is clear that the parties on all sides are working hard to find a deal. The, 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 another extension um, should give us a, a ray of hope that we might be looking um, towards some form of deal in the coming days. Um, but, but for members, it's a case of going back to some of the materials we've previously prepared. So, so what to do when we don't have the fully, um, we don't know entirely what our unknowns are, if you like. So we have got the questions you need to be asking yourself um, in terms of what does it, uh, what do I need to do 
if I have people that I'm placing overseas in other EU nations or are coming from EU nations to the UK, what do I need to do there? Um, we've got a series of the assets on our website. Um, if you look under the Our View section of the REC website on the Brexit Hub, we put all of the latest information there. We'll be preparing a Q&A shortly um, that will be available to lead you through what things like the WTO rules mean um, to really get to grips with um, how you prepare in terms of settled status, because that's one of the things we do know about. So so what is it in terms of the immigration system changes that are coming? Um, and in the new year, we'll host a couple of uh, webinars uh, for our members to get some great insight from um, those with uh, clear business intelligence like uh, KPMG. And we've actually negotiated a bit of a deal with the Department for International Trade, who have agreed to join us for an event to help members understand how they can maximise opportunities um, for working overseas and in new territories. They work in 110 different countries, um, so they've got some great insight about what a British business can do to set up overseas. And I think what was really interesting was uh, when we were invited to talk through the kind of post-Brexit potential for the for the industry with Michael Gove recently, uh, Mr. Gove was really clear that um, one of the things we should be asking DIT and uh, the Foreign Office for is proper support on understanding how to establish in different countries to uh, help to grow businesses globally. And of course, we'll be working with the World Employment Confederation uh, and our partner organisations in other uh, in other countries, as well as the government to, to drive that forward in years to come, because I think international expansion is an area that lots of members have reflected back to us is, is important in 2021. Um, at the other end of it, of course, uh, we'll be doing much more regionally as well, because I think the, uh, the sense of uh, regional uh, engagement and, and the kind of leadership that we've seen both politically from from regional mayors, but also uh, within the REC membership of groups of recruiters getting together in towns and cities around the country over Zoom or Teams or pick your video conferencing app of choice. Uh, there's been a real energy to that that I think has some potential in the wider discussions that, that we have to come. Just before we move on from the political and government affairs side and get a bit more into the into the market side of this. Um, we've had a lot of discussions over the years about the Taylor Report and about good working and about you know, regulatory reform, the single enforcement body. Uh, of course, the key information document was introduced earlier in the year. Um, what's the team's take on where we're going in terms of um, in terms of government intervention or lack of intervention, you know, there was a time when people thought that a sort of no deal Brexit might lead to quite a significant deregulatory push. On the flip side, government has quite a range of uh, regulatory proposals up its sleeve, which haven't quite made progress yet. But is there anything people should be particularly aware of for 2021 in that space? At the REC, we've got four priorities, actually. And, and in terms of our advocacy work, we've put regulation and um, that fairness and equity, 
equity as one of the four priorities Um, because we do think that government will be turning their attention to how do you regulate effectively how do you protect the worker it's it's something that was um, at the core of the Taylor review Um, and from our perspective I I think we should be looking at seeing what's what's um, what's the supply chain in the whole look like and and how do you have total ownership and greater clarity and transparency of that supply chain because when Government will be facing a situation where there will be such a demand um, in terms of their time on how do we recover from the pandemic? How do we um, ensure that unemployment levels are not uh, exponentially high? Um, and, and what are we doing in terms of um, the the fallout from Brexit? So what does the future hold there for the economy? Um there's going to be a sense of well, what can we do to protect individuals, to protect the electorate, to ensure that those people that are the voters at the end of the day um, feel that they are properly supported. So um, actually, Neil, you're going to be giving evidence to a group of MPs later this week uh, uh, who are looking at the loan charge. And they've got a, a focus on um, how to give contractors and freelancers a fair deal. That, to me, is just the starting point of MPs and government officials looking at this with more rigour. And and obviously for us, what's really key is that we have um, that fairness. So there's equality in terms of how is the industry regulated. We have clear rules and regulations for employment agencies and employment businesses. As partners in the system and as part of the supply chain, we need to look at how umbrellas are regulated. We need to understand the payroll functions that are out there and that all of the providers of information are subject to the same um, level playing field that we ha- we know that good quality recruiters follow. I think that's really interesting, and you know, uh, uh, the REC's recruitment standards director and friend of the pod, Lorraine Lawley, is really keen on this kind of work, which is about saying to politicians, "Look, you've regulated for years as though there's only one way people work," and you know, we saw that earlier this year in the furlough scheme, which kind of worked really easily. Uh, in a situation where an employer had an open-ended full-time employee who they could place on furlough, but it became progressively more complex uh, in more flexible forms of work. You know, I think uh, uh, you and I both probably gave more hours uh, this year over to getting hold of government on holiday pay for temps who've been furloughed than al- almost any other issue. Um, so I think from that point of view, there's a lot for us to do to really educate government about the realities of how the labour market works. And f- the flip side of that is I think progressively clients are also getting more interested in this. You know, one of the um, the principles of the REC code is about transparency. Um, and we've seen that in terms of uh, the Modern Slavery Act. We've seen that in terms of a whole range of issues. And I, I suspect that as well as... Um, uh, as, as well as government getting more interested in how it regulates, there'll also be a bigger push from clients for supply chain transparency. And the you know, the the recruiters who are going to be successful are the ones who are going to be able to navigate that uh, with the right sorts of process, while also harnessing some of the technology that's out there that will drive some productivity for, for recruitment firms. I totally agree with that, Neil. I think the uh, the other thing is that we're so brand aware. Now, this time has made us um, increasingly 
um, aware of how different companies have reacted to the pandemic, how they've reacted to um, changes in um, a social understanding like Black Lives Matter. And, and we're going to be making decisions about where we work and who we work for based on their brand and about what they're doing. Um, and, I, and I think that that supply chain transparency is just one part of that that will drive this this ethical approach, if you like, and it should drive the ethical approach. And those that don't uh, understand and don't look towards that, I think they will be missing out. And that's going to be one of the things we should be looking for um, in 2021 is who's leading the field there and who should we be working with? And how do recruiters act as an intermediary in the truest sense and consultancy where they are making those connections between candidates who whose values are in a particular area and that match with the client who shares those values. Neil, you, you talk a lot about um, this side of it. So is there anything else that you would predict for that recruiters should be aware of when it comes to their business planning for 2021? So there's a couple of things here, and I think what you've just said um, tees it up quite nicely, Kate. Um, if you look at the recent uh, Centre for uh, Data Ethics report that the government uh, commissioned on AI, uh, which focuses really heavily on recruitment, and I know the REC team put some hours into getting that uh, report right, you can see where this uh, intersection of uh, the commercial interest of the sector and purpose and uh, and uh, making a contribution come in. It's actually one of the reasons why it's really important that the work you talked about earlier, Kate, on what the industry contributes beyond its own turnover to the UK in terms of productivity and opportunity is really set out clearly um, because, because I think we need to win a battle to sell our services on value, not price. I've always recall the member who said to me, "The trouble with a, a race to the bottom, Neil, is eventually you win it at your, and you're at the bottom." And you know, we need to get clients away from uh, assuming that everything can uh, can be done at high highest quality at lowest cost. And these are things that are always a, a a balance. But none of those clients are going into major litigation, paying their lawyers on a no win, no fee basis. So there's a, uh, a real challenge for us there. I think some of the answer is in everything we've just discussed about brand and about uh, standing of the client and uh, going into the process about diversity, inclusion, about employee value proposition uh, and employer brand, all the stuff that we've talked about for years, but which is moving faster than ever now and will move even faster and still given the kind of mixed model of work that we we'll, that we're increasingly going to be using. You know, we talked in the in the podcast uh, on in the past around um, you know the much larger travel to work areas people have this kind of new individualism about how people want to work. I you know I think there's a bit of a cynicism out there at the moment that says yeah but if unemployment's seven and a half eight percent then uh, the client the client has more power in the in the labour market, I think that's true. But actually, even now, if you go into shortage sectors, they're still very tight. And I suspect that, given the demographics changes and also the uh, that are happening, and also the changes to immigration, that we're going to retain a tight labour market for some years to come. So within that that framework, uh, how candidate experience? I know it's it's for 
I've read people say, well, candidate experience matters less now. It's all about the client. Well, actually, serving the client now effectively will increasingly mean delivering a good uh, candidate experience. And going back to that piece about AI, you want to be using technology well, but you want to make sure that it stands up in the in the framework of fairness and uh, and productivity if it's going to be commercially successful for you that's what the government's ai report set out and i think i think that's where there's a a challenge for the industry to buy technology well uh to know that it delivers the productivity increases that we're going to need to remain competitive but to do that in a way that uh, fundamentally supports the purpose uh, of the business and which is you know high quality service to clients and effective uh, opportunities for candidates, doing things the right way by candidates and boosting uh, diversity and inclusion, where I think think the industry can make a much bigger difference than anything that can be delivered direct, but we have to get it right. So there's a big piece around how we use technology. There's a big piece around our own staff as well. Um, I'm fond of sharing the story of discussion I had with uh, Rona Triggs at Empresaria. But I think Rona's got it spot on when she's talking about how do we put a team around the client rather than a single individual. We saw many members of the REC struggle a little bit in the summer when people were on furlough to maintain that client contact when the the person who usually ran it was away. Um, But it's also about understanding the client at a more senior level. You know, the real drive, I think, for the successful business, and I've seen small businesses do it locally and and uh, international household names do it really well, is to get close enough to the client that you understand their problems and their business plans. Enough understanding of the technology that you can progressively improve your uh, productivity and get your people focused on the things that only uh, humans do well. After all of that, it's really about finding the spaces where the economy is growing and you know, I think, as I've said to you before, I think I'm a real optimist about 2021 in the UK uh, because I do think we bounced back strongly and we've already begun to see that in some of the data you were uh, talking about earlier. So just to sort of start to bring the pod towards a, a conclusion, I think actually there are reasons for cautious optimism uh, that go beyond the front page of this this month's edition of People Management that just says 20, 2021, surely it's got to be better. I, I actually think there are some fundamentals in the labour market and the economy that that promise to be quite positive. Uh, big asterisks, get a decent Brexit deal, please, Prime Minister. And the REC really going forward is about helping members make the best of the opportunities that are there. So more regional activity, uh, more uh, effective business advice and really building on the excellent work that we've done this year, you and colleagues in the uh, in our campaigns team to, to raise the voice of the REC uh, with policymakers, which I think has made a difference on all sorts of fronts. I think you're right. And I think the um, there's, there's an onus on us to keep up that good work. So we've been around the table with government from the start of the COVID crisis. Um, and now it's about um, making sure we continue to deliver so that we're providing them with meaningful data, with insight that can only come from those people working on the front line of the jobs market. Um, I have a little plea there, which is we're currently um, working on something called the Diversity and Inclusion Index. Um, it's a survey that's out in the field right now. 
now. So for those listeners that work in recruitment, it would really help if you can complete that um, for us because we're working with APSCO on this as a joint collaborative initiative. It's to us, if um, we are going to make some meaningful change, it, we must start with how does our own industry look and what's the makeup of our industry? And when we can build up that picture, we can then demonstrate the value that we can create to clients in particular um, and to um, and that and that's something that if we have this data points and we have this information we can keep that uh, preeminent place um, around the table with government. I think that's right and I suppose the the fact that we're doing that work jointly with APSCO is a me- measure of the fact that it's an issue for the whole industry um, and maybe a reflection of something that I think I've seen across the industry where you know when we get to you know, we regularly get groups of industry chief execs together over a, a Zoom call on a Friday lunchtime to talk about how things are. I, I, you know, I started in recruitment um, uh, over 20 years ago now. And when I started, um, you know, when you had met a bunch of other recruiters, everyone had always had the best quarter ever. Uh, I think there's a more of a maturity to the debates that we have now about where the industry is and where we're going. And, and in doing this work uh, with App School, we're trying to, to model that as well. I think there are some areas which are definitely for, for us to work together on. So I'm pleased that, that we're doing that. All in all, I think a tumultuous year. Uh, I think well done to all of you in the industry for getting through it. We got through, we, we're almost there. And uh, the REC, you know, as an organisation, we're here to have your back. And that's what we want to be doing in 2021. You'll see a lot from us over the next few months. Uh, Kate's mentioned the uh, the update on the status of the industry that we're publishing on the 16th of December. Uh, there's a lot there uh, to take away and uh, do get in touch with us direct if there are ideas or thoughts that this conversation has sparked that maybe you want to uh, dig a bit deeper on. Uh, Kate, thank you very much for joining us uh, uh, today. Thank you, Neil. And and just to say to everybody, have a really happy Christmas. Uh, you're not going to get away that lightly. Favourite Christmas carol? Oh, an actual carol, um, probably um, once in Royal David City. Excellent choice. High quality choice. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Kate Rosby's version of In the Bleak Midwinter, which is an excellent uh uh, 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 Christmas listen uh, and do let us know your favourite carols as well always happy to know uh, what goes down well uh, in the REC membership thank you for listening to this episode of the pod if you'd like a bit more REC podcast action why not try episode 45 with Anthony Grupo really excellent uh, episode on resilience in tough times and leadership I know Kate you interviewed Anthony at our uh, conference in September He was fantastic. It was such a rich discussion. Um, And so we want some clarity and insights in terms of leadership. Um, Yeah, it's a great it's a great podcast. Uh, Or try episode 46 with Emma Stewart, uh, which looks at uh, how recruiters can make uh, flexible working work. A really big debate this year because we all think of ourselves as flexible working when in fact we're just working at home. Uh, And there's a big question about how we return to genuinely working Uh, flexibly in this new mixed model uh, that we are building and that's it for today thank you for joining us thank you in particular for all of your support to the REC this year we are here to help you but we can only do that with your support and I appreciate how difficult a year it's been for REC members across the board Um, we have 
uh, tried every day to make sure we can we have the support in place uh, that you need. Uh, we're always happy to hear more about things that would be of interest, things you'd like us to do. But do make sure you take uh, some time over the next few weeks to have a peaceful Christmas break. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to all of you and hopefully even seeing some of you in 2021. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, so subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.